How many are ready for church? Can I hear an amen? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad that you're here. So that glad that you are here. I'm happy that you came to church. I'm glad that you're here. I really, really am. Uh, you may question my happiness in the next few moments as I begin to preach because it is going to be an intense message, but I hope that you remember this smile right now. So look at your neighbor and say, he really loves us. He loves our country. He loves the world. <laughs> Amen. No matter how you feel in the next few moments, I want you to know that I love you. Because as we are in our sermon series on the book of Ephesians, God has been leading us through the whole book verse by verse uh, for over a year, started in 2017. We're almost done with it. As uh, he's led us into this passage where Paul is preaching about the order of the family, my heart gets really, really moved by what's going on in our culture. And a lot of things that have to do with the family are very controversial right now in our culture. So I have to deal with it in church openly and honestly. And so thank you last week for coming, uh, amening, sharing the message online, because like always, they're always put up online, YouTube, Facebook, Metro Praise. You can check it out there, uh, Metro Praise International, the websites there, the app. I mean, we're everywhere. But thank you personally for supporting what we say here and not being ashamed of it, because even if the culture doesn't agree, you're agreeing with the Word of God. So don't disagree with God because the culture disagrees with God. Disagree with the culture and agree with God. Think of it like this. If the world is against you, you're in a good place because the world was against Jesus. You don't crucify somebody you love. So oftentimes people think about Jesus just only speaking about love. But they crucified him because he was against the culture and against what they stood for. Not only the Roman culture, but the religious culture of his day. And so it doesn't matter how people uh, paint Christianity today and try to serve it to you. All that glitters is not gold. If it's not true Christianity and its doctrine and its teaching according to the black and white, the Word of God, you need to reject it and stand on the Word of God, even if you feel alone at times. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So we're going to talk today about a godly husband. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. We're going to see that the godly husband is a part of the family plan. We're in the family section here of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And that's what we talked about last week, and that's very controversial, isn't it? Women submitting to their husbands. That's not what Oprah Winfrey wants to do. That's not what Ellen wants to do. How does a woman submit to another woman in a lesbian relationship? Who's the husband? Who's the wife? You see, right here we have a dynamic of the family that the culture doesn't want. And they want to paint the picture as if I'm bigoted, somehow a, a person that is a nincompoop, non-intelligent, and I'm presenting to you an old-fashioned, outdated morality. But this is the morality of our Bible. It has built the Western civilization, and it is commanded to us in the 21st century. It's a command. We must obey these things. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Christ, Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands. And how many things? And how many things? Everything. Look at the word. It doesn't say all. I know you guys want to read that in your different translation, but I want us on the same page. It says wives should submit to their husbands. And how many things? Everything. Everything. Now, we talked about this before, that that does not mean that husbands have the right to be abusive. Everything there does not include abuse. If you are being abused today in a marriage relationship, seek help today at the altars from our people. We will get you out of that situation, and you will not be the first. You won't be the second. You won't be the fourth. You won't be the fifth. You won't be the tenth. We have helped many people get out of abusive situations. Get out of that situation. No man has the right to abuse you or your children. Can I hear an amen for that? And then the second thing that we understood is that husbands don't have the right to get in the way of your relationship with God. So your health and your spirituality are sanctimonious, are sanctified between you and God. They are belonging to you as a holy and precious thing. So no one can touch your spirituality. If your husband doesn't want you to serve God, you are to serve God. You are to do it regardless of whether or not he wants you to, okay? So other than those dramatic things, your health and your well-being, 
being in a verbal abuse as well, a manipulation other than those things and spiritual abuse, submit to your husbands. That's the way of Christ because the Bible says he sets up order in the home just as he sets up order in the church. So Jesus is the head of the church. The husband is the head of the wife. Now think of it like this. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are three persons of the Trinity. They are not three parts of God. They are each equally 100% divine in and of themselves, yet they're not the same person. The Trinity is unity of three persons. Now, the Father has authority over the Son. That's why when the Son was upon the earth, he said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. And then the Father and the Son command the Holy Spirit. But listen, just because the Son is under the Father does not mean he's less divine than the Father. He is equal in divinity to the Father. It's just in the role of the Trinity, he submits to the Father. The Holy Spirit is equally divine as the Father and Son, yet he submits to the Father and Son. Are you listening? This is the example of the family. The husband and wife are equal. The husband and wife are both made in the image of God, Genesis chapter 1. Not just male made in the image of God, but male and female. Some wrongly think that because the woman was taken out of man, that it's a, trans, it's a descending order. Man is made in the image of God, and then woman's taken out of man, man, a woman's made in the image of man. That is not correct. Man and woman together are in the image of God. He made them, the Bible says, in the image of God, male and female. So this is the truth. Even though the woman submits to the man, that does not mean she's less than the image of God or an image bearer. And then because the man and the woman command their children does not mean that the children are less of a human than the mom and dad. Do you understand? Okay, so you see the role of the family, three parts of a family, and then there's three persons of the Trinity, not parts, but three persons. And so it is a good example. It is a good example. Now, some people try to make the Holy Spirit, the feminine, the mother, the father with the Holy Spirit's the mother, and they make Jesus the son, the child. No, no, no. The better example is the father and the son are like the husband and the wife, and then the children are like the Holy Spirit. And the reason why that is is because mother and father command children, father and son command Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? That's the Trinity in the family. Husband, wife, mother, father, child, father, son, Holy Spirit. That is equality, equality. My children right here are equal to me in nature. I am not different than them in nature, though I have a different authority in the home. I and my wife are equal in nature, though we have different authorities in the home. Does everybody get that? So do not accuse me of being the patriarchy in a misogynist way. If you accuse me of that, then I will accuse you of not listening to me. I am speaking the biblical basis for authority and roles. Those who say we want to just have an equal role, 50-50, a democracy with man and woman, you will never settle a dispute, and you're dishonoring the things of God. And the people who have told me that are the ones that I now see divorced because it doesn't work in the end. God works through leadership as he did through Moses. It wasn't 50-50 with Moses and Aaron. Moses was in charge, but he had to lead the people as God taught him. Paul was in charge of the people of Ephesus. Paul didn't have a 50-50 partner. He was in charge of that church, and then they submitted to him. And Christ is not 50-50 with anybody. He is in charge of the church, the entire body of Christ. And the husband is in charge, not 50-50. He gets the last vote. But when it comes to giving and receiving and sharing, it's not 50-50. It's 100-100. It's 100-100 because we both give our all to the roles that God has put us in. And that's why I want us to read today's passage about the roles of a godly husband. Let's read verses 25 through 27 together. One, two, three. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Thank you. You see right here, Though the wife is to submit to her husband as she does to the Lord, the husband 
is now to love the wife as Christ does the church. And then he's very clear in the description of how Christ loves because love without action is just hot, hot mess, just empty words. It's just hot, hot air. So love has action. 1 Corinthians 13 says love is patient. Love is kind. How many know love has action? You don't just tell somebody you love them. You show them you love them. The husband doesn't just stomp around the house saying, I'm 100% in charge. No, the husband loves and lays down his life for his wife and his children. He gives himself up for her. He gives up Cubs games for her. He gives up money for her. He gives up looking at other girls for her. He gives up his own sports car so they can get a minivan for her. Y'all ain't amening, ladies. You should be amening now. He gives up himself for her. Chivalry's, chivalry's not dead. You just won't find it at the bar. You'll find it in church. You're looking for the wrong place, chivalry, ladies. If you're looking for it at a bar, you got to come to church to find a real man, a man of God, that is. And so the idea is there's a submitting spouse, but there is a loving husband. Yes, there's a submitting wife, but there's a loving husband. And look at the description Jesus has of the church, because that application comes to us. The church is what? It's radiant. It's without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. So how are you to live in this world? If you call yourself a Christian, you're the body of Christ. How are you to be in this world? You are to be radiant. You are to be without stain. That's talking about sin. You are to be without wrinkle. That means you are to be sanctified sanctified, cleansed, without blemish, a reiteration of that holy, another reiteration, blameless, another reiteration. So if you have any sin in your heart today, repent of it now and be cleansed. Let all the wrinkles, let all of the blemishes be taken out of your life and shine like the Bible says, is a light unto the world. And then as a husband, as a man who wants to be married, men, we are to look to our wives in this way. We are to cleanse her with our words by speaking the word of God. We are to speak to her the word of God. And Proverbs 31 tells us how we should speak to her the word of God. And we went over it last week. So by speaking the word to her, we give her the security that she desires. We give her the confidence that she she needs because she won't get her confidence from Vogue magazine. She won't get her confidence from the music she listens to. She'll get it from the words that her husband speaks. Her, her, the words of her husband will be like a shine upon her heart. The words of her husband will be like an iron upon her dress of her soul. The words of her husband will be a cleansing to her heart and to all the conscious things that she's thought negative about herself or has been spoken over her. So you see, you, you emasculate the man, and a lot of women come from homes where the man was emasculated. You emasculate the man, and you have a man being controlled by a woman. The woman's not happy, and the man's not happy. You have to listen, those of you women here today that have strong personalities, you have to use that strong personality not to domineer over your man, but to elevate your man to be the leader he's called to be because that man will not feel satisfied until he feels like he's the leader of his home. I don't care if men have effeminate attributes. Sometimes men are softer than other men. Some men like to do hair and makeup and things like that for their girlfriends. I'm not here to judge. I know that sounds weird, but I know men can be involved in different things and not be gay or homosexual. But here's my thing is it's not about whether you're effeminate as a man or whether or not you're masculine. It's whether you are the leader acting as God called you to be. Okay, so there's some men that when we get pedicures done uh, that, that work there, the Vietnamese men, when my wife and I go, he seems to be heterosexual, but he does petties. Now, I'll never do my wife's toes. Are you listening? I'll never do my wife's toes. But if that man comes to this church, I'm teaching him to be the man of the house. I don't care if he makes a living doing petties. And it doesn't matter about intelligence. Trust me, I know most women here, you're smarter than your husbands. It has nothing to do with intelligence. It has to do with following the roles that God has placed up. And so now this is where we just have to put on the brakes and just ask ourselves, do we agree with this? We just heard it in summary. Wives, submit to your husbands in everything as unto the Lord. Submit as the church submits to Christ. Husbands, love your wives. Take care of her. Speak the word to her. Wash her. Cleanse her. Now we have to ask ourselves, are we going to take on those roles in this culture? 
Because if we abandon those roles, if we come out from under God's protection, then we can't come back to him and ask him to bless our families because God won't bless your mess. If you're not a wife that's willing to submit to your husband, you can't ask God to save your husband and do all this work in his life because the Bible literally says that your submittance to him will help win his heart to the Lord. That's Paul in Corinthians to another city. And husbands, if you're not willing to be the man of God of that home and have the final decision rest on your shoulders, that doesn't mean you don't take input. Of course we take input from our wife and our children and seek wisdom from other men. But you have to be able to be confident to make that decision and get up off the video games and get up off the cheering men in tights hitting a ball with a bat. And you have to stand and be accounted for as a man in your house. You have to be willing to do that because if you don't, you can't ask God to bless your finances. You can't ask God to bless your children. This false machismo that I see in men that have daughters and they have pictures of shotguns and say, I'm going to protect my daughter. And there's one right now with 50 Cent. He's in some TV show. He's in a gang. And he has a daughter going on the date or going to the prom. Have any of you seen this on Facebook? And he brings the guy into the gang and, and all the gang threatens the guy and it makes him feel afraid to date his daughter. That does nothing. That does absolutely nothing. If you really want to protect your children, live for God in front of their wife, in front of their mom, your wife. Live for God in this culture. Then you can ask God's blessing upon your children. I don't need to scare the men that come and date my daughter with the shotgun because I'm going to raise my daughters in the fear and admonition of the Lord so that they will know who to date and what will come of what they, or what they, who they date. They'll know what to expect. And so I don't have to threaten a man of God. I'm going to teach them to date a man of God. Are you listening? Verse 28, 28, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You see, the man who cheats on his wife, the man who cheats on his mother, uh, the baby's mother, the one who does wrong to the woman in his life, he's really doing the most harm to himself. Because if he really loved himself and his body, he would keep his body out of the hellfire. He would keep his body out of the torments of hell. You see, if he thinks by giving in to the lusts of his body, he's actually taking care of his body by having more sex, by cheating on his wife, he's actually bringing eternal destruction to his body. Do you see that? So the one who truly loves his wife loves himself. The one who doesn't love his wife is not going to love himself either. Because the reflection of him acting like a dog is the reflection of his soul. And his body will be thrown into hell. The Bible says you die. When your body dies, you, uh, your body dies, your soul goes to heaven or hell. But then at the resurrection, those who are in hell get back a second body for death, prepared for destruction. And so the body will suffer forever. Those of us who love Jesus will come from heaven and raise with Christ from the earth and have a body as his body. Are you listening? Can I get an amen from somebody? So those who truly take care of their body take care of their wives. So these men that I see, you know, especially some of these Puerto Rican men, they're just pretty boys, aren't they? They get their eyebrows done. They get their nails polished. They keep their legs nice and clean. Would they use nair? Get rid of all that hair. Just polish it up. You know some of the Puerto Rican guys I'm talking about here. Man, they look so pretty. They look so good. But then you look at their wife. They, she don't have any money because they waste it all on themselves in that car. And then you look at their kids. Their kids wearing those same clothes. You see, that man right there is going to be judged for what he did. He's a selfish man. It looks once again like he loves his body so much, but no, he's really putting his body into hell for neglecting his family because the Bible says those who do not take care of their wife and kids are worse than an infidel, worse than a pagan. And you're going to see some pagans today. I have a video to play for you. I'm going to show you what pagan paganism looks like, self-worship, worshiping of false gods. And so the Bible says in the same way, husbands, love your wives as you love your own body. And you, he who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29, after all, no one ever hated their own body. No one in a sound mind ever hated their own body. If you have body issues, get into the mind of Christ. Love your body as Christ loves your body. Love the skin that you're in. Can I hear an amen? Amen. No one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. That's why we don't recognize homosexual marriage, because in the beginning he made them male and female. He made them to be fathers and mothers. He made them to be husbands and wives. Jesus reiterated that in Mark 10, 6 through 9. So everybody look up at me, please. Does Jesus in the New Testament have to say he's against pedophilia? 
Does he literally have to say out of his mouth, I'm against people touching little children? No, because you already know his standard. That's why never once out of Jesus' mouth he talks about pedophilia. But you don't hear anybody making that excuse, do you? Well, Jesus never said pedophilia is a sin, so it must be okay. Never hear anybody say that. But you will hear this. Jesus never talked about homosexuality, so it must be okay. Come on. Jesus never talked about bestiality either. Jesus never said out of his mouth, thou shalt not have sex with animals, which they do now. Thou shalt not have sex with the same sex. Why didn't Jesus have to spend time and say these things? Because from moment one of creation, from the moment one, it was male, female. They will leave their mother, father, be united, and become one flesh. There was never any confusion to God and his plan. That's why Jesus just said, go back to the plan. They asked him about divorce and Mark. He said, go back to the plan. It wasn't about polygamy. It wasn't about bestiality. It wasn't about homosexuality. It was about one man, one woman, and holy matrimony to death do you part, becoming one. Now ask yourself a question. What is the only way upon this planet to reproduce the human race? Male and female. Now, why do you think God commanded us to go be fruitful and multiply, to reproduce the human race? Now, somebody might say, well, what about those who can't? Well, that's a sickness. That's an illness, those who can't. We don't make everybody a can't, you know. If you're born with a dismembered arm, do we cut off everybody else's arm now? If someone can't have a child, that's why that's called an illness. It's abnormal. We love them. Of course they can go to heaven. Paul didn't have children and these different things. Some people can't. Some people choose to be single. That's fine. But if we were all single, we all couldn't. The whole human race would go away. The standard model is to be married and have children. Then if those who say, I want to be single, they don't get single to make more money, have a job, and have a career. No, the Bible says the only reason why you should be single is to give more time and attention to the church. The Roman Catholics call this priests and nuns, but that's made up. They made that up. The whole idea in the Bible is anybody could do it. You don't have to be a priest or a nun. Those positions don't exist in the Bible. It's just people who say, and I met one. She was my, one of my favorite Bible college professors in New Orleans, Sister Miller. She said, I don't want to get married. I want more time to give God. That's what I want to do with my life. But she understood that that was abnormal because the command and the, re, the command was to reproduce and multiply. And this is where I have to get in a sex education class. Because why do you think women have stuff up here? That's because of reproduction. That's not to show it off to the world and put it on Maxim Magazine. Are you understanding? I mean, look how foolish we've become. That's to breastfeed children. Breasts are to breastfeed children for no other reason. That's why you have them. So understand this. You are created as a sexual human being, sexual male or female, for the purpose of using sexuality to reproduce. Now you may say, how, how profound is this? Look at verse 32. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Paul says the greatest thing that we have in this earth to experience his divine nature is in sex. Just as the father and son are one, man and woman become one. In the act of sex. Sex is not dirty. It's beautiful. God made it to be blessed. And that's why out of the one comes many, comes many. God made procreation to be beautiful out of sex. We could have been asexual. We could have been like a worm. You cut us in half and then we become two worms. God made sex to represent the Trinity. And the Bible goes one step further than that, that Christ and humanity is resembled in man and woman having sex. So what we see two bodies coming together, God says, God says what I really see is me coming together with the whole human race. That's why he calls us, plural, the us, the singular bride of Christ. All of us make the bride, he's the man, comes together in the spirit. And somebody says, ooh, that feels icky like Jesus taking advantage of me. No, the whole sexual thing is what makes you think it's perverted, but God gave you sex not to make a perverted example, but to give you an intimate example of spirit and spirit. Because body and body is not where it stops. It's supposed to go deeper in spirit and in spirit. And that's why when we get resurrected bodies, we don't have sex anymore. That's why there's no more mothers anymore. There's no more fathers. There's no more marriages. It's only going to be children of God married in spirit to God. Literally married in spirit to God. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So why do we have babies now? So you can fulfill just your need not to be lonely, so that you can be macho and men and teach your kids these different things. No, you have children to do what? To build the church. 
The whole entire reason why God gave you sexual organs is so that you could build the body of Christ to be upon this earth and inherit it forever and ever and be upon uh, the earth with Jesus. So if you're not bringing your children to church, but you're making children, you got it backwards. If you're not coming to church and learning about the church to build up the church, and if you don't think husbands, the church is a priority, or wives, the beach comes before the church, you have no idea why you are even a sexual being. You are a sexual being to demonstrate the unity of Christ in the church. The reason why you have babies is to make more members for the church. And when all of this is gone, including your education, this universe, this government, everything you see, guess what will remain? Christ and his church. So do it for that. Do it for that. Amen. So be a wife for the sake of Christ and his church. Be a husband for the sake of Christ and his church. Have children for the sake of Christ and his church. Children, obey your parents for the, Christ, uh, for the sake of Christ and his church. Build the church for the lost sons and daughters out in this world. Bring them here that they might be born again so they can be a part of Christ and his church. That's the Bible. That is the Bible. However, each one of you, and here's the happy home, if you want the Bible's advice for a happy home, you don't have to go on the Dr. Phil show. You don't have to go and buy a bunch of books and take seminars and conferences. It's fine if you do as long as it doesn't contradict this. But here is the happy home solution. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There it is. This is not uh, married with children. This is not Al Bundy. He was an idiot. And she was a, a promiscuous woman. Both of them went to hell if, in, that, in that show if they died and didn't know Jesus. So is that how you were raised? Were you raised watching stupid men and promiscuous women, desperate housewives? You think Eva Longoria is your role model? She dies in that character, goes to hell. Who are your role models? Who are you looking up to? I mean, let's just be honest. You looking up to the Kardashian, a man who now becomes a woman? Are you listening and now wants to marry another man who became a woman that's like 40 years younger than him? What kind of nonsense is this? What kind of stupidity is this? Why do you think our world is the way it is today? We have broken apart the foundation of very, the very civilization that God gave us. The very civilization God gave us was to be built upon men and women, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers. Now, every one of you, look at your own lives. Look at your family and look, up, look at your upbringing. How were you raised? How were you taught? Most of us here in this church are under 30 years old. We have a young adult church. And most of you grew up without your mother and father in the home, married, setting this example. Now, you tell me how many tears you've cried up at these altars, getting the hurt out of your life, the feelings of abandonment from your fathers, most of you. Come on. The feelings of being misled by a mother who didn't know how to be a woman of God. Though many of you had mothers that were good, provided, and I take my hat off to every single mom. That's why we have a single mom's ministry in the church. But I'm talking about, did she show you integrity? Did she show you how to stop dating the zeros and get with the hero? Did she show you how to live a certain way? Or did she just keep telling you, don't make the mistakes I did, don't make the mistakes I did? Just telling children not to make the same mistakes you did doesn't change anything. You have to show them. My sister died drinking and driving had two children with two different baby daddies. How do you think those two children grew up? Both of them jacked up right now, my nephews, and I keep preaching to them. And one time my mom remembers that when I brought one of them to the church, I said, I won't say his name, but I said, son, do not leave here until you get it right with God and get all the hurt and all the disappointment and all the anger out of your heart towards your family and towards what's been done to you. Don't leave this altar. And he wasn't willing to do it because most of you here today, the reason why you have adult problems is because you came from a problem family. And you've got to work through it now as an adult through the Word of God. And so that doesn't mean you throw mom and dad under the bus. It just means you say, I'm going to be righteous now. I'm not here to point fingers at mom and dad, but I'm going to be righteous now. I'm going to start it now. I'm going to start it now. I'm going to be the new example now. And so I have young people in this church, uh, TJ, he's testifying on the Elevate page, never really met his father. You can see it there for our Elevate youth group. Uh, TJ is saying that he never knew his father. 
and that he's come to Christ and Christ has, you know, changed his life and God is now his father and all of these things. But I was talking to one of the young adults and I was saying, some of y'all wish you could have the life right now of what TJ has. You know why? Because TJ's older than 18. He could go to U of I college if he wanted to. He could have sex with as many girls as he wanted to. But he chose to come to Christ and get his heart filled with the love of God. And now he obeys the commands. But yet we got some church people that are questioning young people that come to church because of their parents questioning whether or not they want to be here. You want to swap with TJ. You want to go to a fatherless environment where you can get away with anything. But why do people like TJ come running to the church when nobody forces them to come? Why does he come? Because he understands that what he saw is not what he wants. And if he doesn't do it right by God, he will reproduce what he saw, not what he was told. He will reproduce what he saw, not what he was told. See, my friend, I used to sell and deal drugs with, got a girl pregnant at 15, and he spent all these tens of thousands of dollars to send her to a private school, a private Christian school, wanted to make sure she wouldn't turn out like her mama did having sex with him at 15, wanted to make sure she wasn't going to be an early teen mom. She only made it to 18 years old before she got pregnant. You see, stupid is as stupid does. You will continue to live out what you've seen modeled in front of you until you change your model. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Start doing it different, and you'll see different things. Start saying, we're going to go back to the Bible. We're going to go back to the basics of the Bible and honor male and female. We're going to honor the relationship that they're supposed to have. We're going to honor the authority that's supposed to be in this home. And then that's why we can get now to verse six, chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Because if dad's right, if mom's right, now we're together. We are now an authority in our children's life. For this is right in the Lord. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Do you know that everybody, listen to me, everybody coming out of broken homes suffers emotionally and physically. Those who live the longest lives come from healthy homes and healthy marriages. Y'all get quiet when I talk like that. You're scared now, ain't you? That mean I'm going to die early? You have a higher chance of dying at an earlier stage of life, being brought up outside of a mom and dad, and then the best thing you now have as an adult, if you're already out of your home, is to have a steady spouse. That is the best uh, chance you have at longevity. Because longevity is a part of relationship, part of love and fulfillment. The highest rate of suicide right now is among white males, middle age. And the reason why they have the highest rate of suicide is because they have the most broken lives. And some of them have the most amount of money. But they have the most broken lives because they don't have a marriage anymore worth living for. They don't have a relationship with their children worth living for. And so the job and the money and the boat and the condo and all of that means nothing. Look it up for yourself. So I'm already in that age bracket, but I'm living right now the dream life. I don't want to take my life. I want to ask God for 10 more of these. Amen. I want to ask God for 10 more of these. Come on, Jesus. Your health is connected to your spouse. Do you know that they interview nurses and ask them a bunch of questions? You know what nurses, female nurses had the best sex life? Those who were married and went to church. Oh, yeah. Longevity is attached to marriage. Longevity is attached in health to marriage, sexuality, all of it is attached to marriage. All. That's why it's breaking down right now. That's why it's, culture is breaking down from the obesity epidemic to the loneliness. They're right now, just research, research right now. Put somebody on Google, I dare you to do it. The health problems with loneliness. Just Google it right now, health problems with loneliness. I don't see nobody moving phones. Y'all know how to use a phone. Google it right now, health problems with loneliness. First one to raise up their hand and show me that they got an article right now on health problems with loneliness. I'm going to give you whatever money I got in my pocket because I'm going to show you your pastor's not lying. Get me an article right now. Health problems related to loneliness. Bring it up here, good sir. Let me see this article. 20 bucks for you right here. Just click on the article for me. Quick, click on this article. The surprising effects of loneliness on health. New York Times. Get you some of that. Give it up for Juan, please. Sometimes people hear this pastor like me talk so fast they think I'm a used car salesman. They ain't keeping up. 
Yeah, you ain't even keeping up with me. I'm not making up stats when I'm up here. You take your time to look up the stats. I got so many stats and facts right now, I could just preach on them, but then I'd be preaching on statistics, and I want to preach on the Word. And by the way, I don't need a stat or a fact to, uh, oh, he's a good man. He gave it to his wife. Give it up for one. Giving that 20 to his wife. Amen. But listen, I don't need stacks and facts to back up the word. I wouldn't care if any researcher found this out to be true. They must be doing something wrong is what I would say. But here, it's already proven already in our, in our stats and facts. So that's good. But I don't need it to back up the Bible. Do you get that? I believe the Bible, whether the stats and facts affirm it or not. So why are people so lonely? Because they don't know how to get married and settle down. Why are so many young girls right now on Prozac and all of these different drugs for depression? It's because they're 30 years old after their 20th living relationship with maybe one or two kids from those relationships. No husband, no real family. And that's why we're more depressed than we've ever been before. The young lady was meant to fall in love with Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean she has to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. We talked about this last week, how women can experience great things. Proverbs 31, the woman's a boss. She's investing. She's owning property. She's selling things. She's a leader. But guess what she is first? A wife and a mom. So that's why the Bible then says, children, obey your parents. You know what? Everything I sow into my children right now is to my retirement benefit. So y'all ain't ready for that. You get quiet when I talk like that because they don't talk... They, Dr. Phil don't tell you this. Oprah don't tell you this. Some of you think I'm just as good as him. Dr. Phil couldn't even hold up my water bottle in this place. He wouldn't even be a deacon in this place. Are you listening to me? He would start in the 101 here. Don't even think him and I are on the same level. Amen? Are you listening to me? I'm just being honest. Why? Because I speak the words of God. He's speaking foolishness. It's the difference. It, it, is literally, it is literally the difference between a child thinking 2 plus 2 equals 5 and, a, and some genius doing rocket science. This is the rocket science of your living. But the beautiful thing is it's so simple. Now watch this right here. You may think that uh, just having children is just in the temporary benefit. No, it's towards my retirement. Because everything I sow into them right now is going to come back and I'm going to reap it. When I'm 80 years old and I'm going through dementia, some of you see the notebook and things like that, my children will be there to remind me of who I was in the days of my strength. They will tell me of the love that I gave them, and they will reciprocate that love back to me. They will give to me their time and their attention because I gave them my time and my attention. You say, Pastor, I don't even believe that. Talk to your grandparents and ask them how they got along. Ask the third and fourth generation of your family heritage. This was true among all of our people because I know most of us here were either Protestant or Catholic. And even though I give the Catholics a hard time, the Catholics got the same Bible too, y'all. Mom and dad, married for life, children obey your parents. How many know they still got the same Ten Commandments? My dad was raised Catholic but raised the same exact way. And see, now we threw off the Bible and now we are where we are. And so you got to ask yourself, do I want to be the kind of man God wants me to be? Do I want to be married to the woman that God wants me to be married to? And women, do I want to be that way? And then parents, do you want to be the kind of parents God calls you to be? Because that's the only way you get the promise. In verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. Look at your neighbors. That was the introduction. That was the introduction. Amen. Can you turn up the monitors for me just a little bit, please? Thank you. Here's God's order for the family. Did you read the same scriptures I did? Do you see a different order than this right here? It goes God, the church, husband, wife, and children. Husband is also a father. Wives are also mother and children. You get it. The church comes above all of us. Why? Because where do you grow a good husband? What field do you plant him in? And where do you reap him from? The harvest field of the church. Where do you find a godly wife? And I'm not saying you literally got to find her in church, though that's a good place to start. But where do wives get grown up in the things of God? Where do they get grown up? In the church. Are you listening? And where do children come from? Yeah, children can be made whether you're a Christian or not. But where do they really become fruitful and obedient children, it's in the church. How many believe that? Now, I could tell you all day about the testimony that I have to be a husband. And I couldn't do it justice in the time that I have left. But I want to say this to you. Husbands and fathers are not born, they're made. And as it's been said before, anybody can have a baby, but it takes a man to be a husband or it takes a man to be a father. This is the way of the Bible. And on Father's Day, I'm going to give a special word just for fathers, but I want everybody to see this and to hear this from the Scripture, that husbands as men have to make a choice to the kind of man they're going to be. 
And women, this is your choice and the kind of man you want to marry. So do I know that some people have made mistakes and now they're married and they got to fix it? Yes. And so we don't want you to give up on the marriage if you're married to a non-Christian or something's not right. As long as, you know, like we said, he's not hurting you or keeping you from Jesus, we got tons of help for you. And even in that situation, we have help for you. But, but here's the best help that I can give everybody here is that if you're single, you shouldn't be ready to mingle until as a woman, you know who you are and you know what you're looking for. And men, if you're single, you should not be ready to mingle until you know who you are and who you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be with. Because now when I tell you a story that has 13 years of testimony behind it, you can't say to me that that's just because Joe got lucky. No, Joe did the right thing. Because here's my testimony. I never was in a relationship for more than three months before I became a Christian. I caught two sexually transmitted infections in the time that I wiled out, and I lost my virginity only at 15. So from 15 to 18, I wiled out with a whole bunch of girls. Most of them, I don't even remember their names. If they were sitting here today, I probably wouldn't even recognize them. And three months was the longest relationship that I was ever in. But when I became a Christian, God showed me who I was. And so like any man, I wanted to start dating, but God said, you're not ready. It took me about two and a half years before he really said, you're ready, and then I had to wait even more while I knew I was ready. And then I started dating different Christian girls, but I knew that they weren't the one, and even though sometimes I tried to hang on to those relationships because I felt lonely, God would literally have to pry them out of my hands because I would keep holding on because I didn't want to be alone. And eventually, I met Nancy, and Nancy put up her story on Facebook. You should read it if you haven't seen it yet. And she was dating a guy when she got saved, but God told her to break up with him. So she was single for a while, and then she started dating a guy. When I first met Nancy, I was dating somebody. She was dating somebody. But we both called each other's attention. Fast forward to when I moved to Chicago. She broke up with her boyfriend knowing that I was coming to be the youth pastor. But yet, I still had on my mind, and I was on internet dating. That's when it was first starting, like Christian Cafe, you know, Christian Mingle and all of this. I was still in this little dating thing. And God was showing me the whole entire time, your wife is right here. But you see, in my mind, I hadn't subjected myself yet to this, even though I thought I had. God still had to teach me. When Nancy hugged my dad as my administrator, it's like, Dad, meet my administrator for the youth group. He hugged her, and he said, the moment I hugged her, I knew that was your wife. I then dated her for a little bit but broke up with her because I was still used to that mindset. Be with a girl for a little bit, then break off, be with a girl for a little bit. But God told her I was her husband. And it wasn't until I literally got to the end of my rope emotionally as a 28-year-old man being saved for 10 years that God broke it down for me the last time. And I don't know what would have happened if I wouldn't have listened, but he said, this is how you need to look for a wife. This is how you need to do it. And you need to be willing to be this, and this is the one I have for you. And so I had a choice to run off and be wild, but I had to submit myself. And what I really realized at that moment is that I was afraid, afraid, to do what the Bible said. I was afraid to be a husband. I was afraid to one day be a father. So I was using the excuses of dating and finding little things wrong, even with Nancy, finding little things wrong with them so I could keep trying to go to the next one. But it was really me. I was afraid. Because we as men, everybody look up at me, men. We as men, we know when we hear this, this command to love our wives, that goes against a lot of how we were brought up. We weren't brought up to tell our, you know, our wife, or at that time a girlfriend, we love them because our friends think that's lame. And for those of you who did not grow up with a father that really embraced and showed a lot of nurturing to your mom, you might not even have seen that from a man, so you might have in your mindset this false idea of bravado and romance. And so for whatever reasons, I just didn't know how to love. I didn't know how to give myself to another person. I didn't know how to trust. I didn't know how to lead in that way. But I knew how to hear from God. And that's why I say it starts with Christians. Healthy marriages, good husbands, good wives, good mothers, good fathers. It starts with being Christians first, then from those things. And so then, on a lonely old night, sometime, I guess my wife would remember the exact date, sometime in October, I called her up and I said, I know you're the one. 
And I knew for me to get back in her life at that point after having dated her and broke up, I knew there was no other way to even approach her. It wasn't, oh, let's just date and see where it goes. I had to come on day one, basically on bended knee, saying, you're, you're the one for me now. I'm not, I'm not going around anymore. And within, what, three months? Where's Nancy at? She just disappeared. What, how many, what month did I call you up and say, you're the one? November, and how many months later were we engaged? February? So December, January, February, right? Three months, we were engaged. And how many months later were we married? June? March, April, May, June, four more months we were married. Now it's been 13 years. And I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. You look at me now as a husband because most of you have only met me as a husband. But you never met me as a scared Christian. You never met me as a perverse young person. And so you look at me and say, Joe got lucky. No, Joe got blessed. Joe was blessed by the best. It's not luck, baby. It's blessing. And the same blessing could come on you. And now when I talk to married couples, whether you've been married 20 years, 30 years, one year, and I tell you, Nancy and I have never gone to bed angry one night. Now, sometimes we've had to stay up to 2, 3 in the morning to work that situation out. But we have never closed down the day angry. You now want to say again, Joe, you're lucky. No, I'm blessed. Because we made a decision to build our lives on the Word of God. And then you may say, Joe, you must have always wanted kids. No, I was an only child brought up in the suburbs of Fort Wayne, Indiana. I lived in a four-bedroom house with a huge backyard in a neighborhood that looked like a compound. I'm telling you, man, it used to have a gate in front of it, but then as it got more hood, the, the gate person left. But it had, it had three swimming pools. It had a clubhouse with pool tables, racquetball courts, a golf course, uh, uh, two or three basketball courts. Are you listening to me? And we would still spray paint the tunnels and all this. I grew up as a single child in that environment. I thought life was all about me. I never wanted to be around kids. I tortured my nephews. Where did I get the heart to become a father now with our sixth child? Five already in the land of the living and our sixth tucked away in the womb soon to come out in, in August. Where do you think God gave me the heart for that? From his word. Because I began to realize, oh man, I, I, you know, God kind of put it to me like this. Joe, do you like sex? And I'm like, yes, father, I love sex. He's like, guess what? I made you to have a lot of it. Oh great, I want to have a lot of it. But here's the deal. I want you to love the multiplication. I want you to love the fruitfulness that comes from sex as much as you love sex. So then I began to see that the joy of having sex was tied to me having children. And then I began to see that children are even better than the momentary pleasure of sex. And let me just tell you this. All along the way, I've had naysayers. People said to me, oh, Joe, when you get married, things will change, especially your first year. It will be hard. We blew by our first year in joy. Oh, then people said, after your fifth year, things will change. Oh, we, we loved our fifth year anniversary. Then people said, when you have your first child, things will change. When you have your second thing, child, things will change. Now we are on our sixth. When are you going to get it? We are blessed by the best. Ain't nothing changing, baby. Ain't nothing changing. And then sometimes people want to say their last bit of sassiness. Well, what if she cheats on you? I already told her, day one, in marriage counseling, you cheat on me, I'm divorcing you, marrying somebody else, going on. You can go to hell if you want. See, it gets quiet when I talk like that. See, I, I'm not playing games. My wife has a choice. I have a choice. You, you cheat on me, it's done. I'm, I'm divorcing you. That's it. The Bible says I can. I'm taking it. Some, some people don't. Listen, some people work through their issues. You can or you can't. I just told her before we even got married. In marriage counseling, I told her everything to what we're doing now. I wanted 12 kids. If you cheat on me, I divorce you. We're going to homeschool. If you don't want to do any of this at any time, let me know now because I might have missed God. She said, God told me to do all of those things. Homeschool, have a lot of children, and I ain't going to cheat on you. I said, we good then. And then you might say, well, what happens if your children, what happens if your children want to do something wrong? Well, I'm going to say just what Jesus said to Judas. Kiss me right here. Do what you got to do. I'm going with the Father. You can go to hell if you want. Jesus didn't hold down Judas and say, no, you can't, Dito. No, you can't. You can't, Dito. Come on. Come on. No, he said, Judas, what? What you got to do? Kissed him on the cheek. Goodbye, Judas. He hung himself. My children want to hang themselves. They can hang themselves if they want. But I will stand before every attack against them as long as they let me. Are you listening? I buried my sister. What you got on me? I watched my mother bury my sister, die drinking and driving. So I've already faced watching parents bury children. I'm telling you right now, my children want to go to hell. They can. God gave them a free will. I won't stop them. 
So don't come to me with any of your devil's lies. It's been 13 years, five children, God is still good. Whether they all want it or not, I'll still be up here wanting it. So here's the deal. What is your plan, man? Talking to the men right now. What is your plan? Because I pray you get this in your heart. Number one, if you are a man in this place, and you can know if you're a man by looking between your legs in the bathroom today, that's how you know you're a man. If you are a man, God's will for you is either be single, love him with all your heart, so mind and strength, keep your eyes focused on the kingdom, give more to the church, more time, or be a husband that loves your wife just as Christ loved the church. And the word to use for love there is agape, unconditional love. The first thing husbands are to do is have unconditional love, love their wives, the same kind of love that Jesus has for his church, and that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The second thing is men, you are to give yourself up for your wife. And how you practice it right now, men, you know how I learned to get ready to handle the responsibility of Nancy is I gave myself up for Jesus' wife. Y'all don't even, I don't even get one lonely amen on that. How did I learn to give up myself for my physical wife? By giving myself up for Jesus' wife. Give myself to the church. Women, I would never trust a man that doesn't serve in the Lord's church. The church, the church is his bride. If he don't know how to serve here, he won't know how to serve you. Because the church is going to last longer than you will. Church will last longer than what you look at in the mirror. Come on, ladies. I know you got to always remember that you're going to age gracefully. Don't start sticking needles in here, plastic in here. But listen to me, ladies. If that man ain't loyal to the church, he won't be loyal to you. The moment things start changing on your body, he's going to try to upgrade. So husbands, how do you practice being loyal to a wife? Be loyal to the church. Jesus gave himself up for the church. That's how important it was. He became a man, died on the cross. Husbands are to love their wives so much that they're willing to lay down their lives for them, lay down their, their own wants, needs, and desires, and to put their well-being for their wives above their own safety. How many still believe in bravery, that men should step in front of women if there's a problem? How many believe that men should have the women's back and use their strength to protect and to provide? Thank you for saying amen, brother. It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church today. Is this a Presbyterian church or a Pentecostal church? Amen. And then the Bible says, lastly, men, that you, sh you are to be a, a husband that supports and takes care of your wife. That's okay if she makes more money than you, but you support her in every possible way and you care for her. Paul wrote that Jesus does that. Does that. How does he do it? By making us radiant, beautiful, holy, all those attributes, listen to that, all those attributes that apply to the church apply to us, taking care of our wives. And Jesus did this because he loves the church, because he gave himself up for the church. I want you to see this from a coach because, you know, men like sports, so I have a, a sports quote here. This is what one of the famous coaches said. Coach Bill McCartney, I have no idea who he is, but I just love his quote. <laughs> Maybe some of you sports fans know who he is. Most of you uh, probably don't. He's an older dude. But this is what he said. I want every man to make this your goal. He said, do you want to know whether a man is a man of character or not? Whether he's worth his salt upon the earth? All you have to do is look at his wife's countenance. And everything that he's invested or withheld will be on her face. I can always tell when there's marriage problems going on. Because when they come to church, I can see the look on the wife's face is distraught. And I'm glad that they came because they ought to be here than trying to work it out at the beach house. Are you listening? Disney World ain't going to fix your marriage. Come on. So I'm glad when I see them coming, but I can always tell when the wife is frustrated, when she's emotionally drained, when she doesn't feel satisfied. Because more than often, women will show their expressions on their face. They have, an, they have a way of being emotional to share what's in their heart. And men most of the time don't understand it. That's why women, you need to use your words to explain it because we most of the time don't get it, okay? But the idea is the woman will show her value, the value of the husband. The wife will show the value of her husband by how joyful she is in life. God is my witness. I know some of you won't even believe this, but we had a family member literally say to Nancy, is Joe torturing you by wanting to have all these children? You know, family members can say the most stupid things, can't they? 
They really can. And they, and they just don't know how stupid it really sounds until it comes out their mouth. And then sometimes they keep running with it. And you just like, do you know that you're just tripping over your stupidity right now? Uh, the first thing that I said to them, because they claim to be a Christian, is I said, have you ever read the people of the Bible? How many children these women had? How beautiful their children became, the tribes of Israel. The leaders, you know, that they were, David and all of his brothers. I mean, imagine being the mother of David and all of those mighty men, you know. I mean, just amazing. And not to say you have to have a lot of children, but just for this to come out of her mouth was just absolutely stupidity. She didn't know she was speaking words of the devil. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, we'll get to it, that we don't even fight against flesh and blood. She don't even know where that stupid thought came from. But that came from old Beelzebub, the old devil, just trying to sow discouragement in the family. But I just said, look at her. And tell me she's not the happiest woman you've ever seen. Just look at my wife. Look at her. Do you think she's being tortured? Who do you think helped her go back to school and get her bachelor's degree? I did. Who do you think is helping her right now get her master's degree? I am. Who do you think right now helps her be a pastor of this church? I am. All the accomplishments that she's doing behind the scenes, I'm there saying you can make it. You can make it. All the homeschooling that she's doing, I'm there to say, do you need me to take the kids out to the park? You can make it. You see, what people don't understand is that what they have, they have is their choice. But that doesn't mean they got to hate on the people who are living the dream. And so don't you try to live for family members. Don't try to live for even people close to you that think they got your back. Because I know they may be disappointed, women, when, they, when you say, well, I want to marry this person instead of this doctor or lawyer. I'd rather marry this Christian, or I would rather be a stay-at-home mom, or I would rather have more kids than just one. You know, they may look at you like you're making the wrong decision, but prove them wrong by the countenance on your face. Prove them wrong, ladies, by the joy in your family. And let me just say this, not out of my own words, not out of my own words, but Sue Ellen, go ahead and put up the Facebook post of Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen, not even knowing this, within a few weeks of this family member saying this to us, Sue Ellen on her own, our children's pastor, who knows us better than probably anybody here because she's been with us the longest or one of the longest, she put up on her Facebook this testimony about our family because she knows what the family we're representing to her means. And so you don't have any idea. Everybody look up at me. Saying, if you think this is about me, you're not getting why I'm stopping right now. How often do I even talk about me in this church? Minutes out of an hour-long sermon. Get this. I'm taking time to explain this because I don't want you to think I'm lucky or an anomaly. This is for you to understand. God wants you to have this kind of a family, and he wants you to impact people around you to the point where even people hate on it. When they hate on it, and they go, What? Why, why are you doing it like this? I've had literally people from the church come over when I've been sitting down, and I said, honey, can you get me some water? I've literally had some sassy women say to my wife, mm, you better tell him to get himself, girl. Don't, don't you let that man tell you, because he'll be telling you the rest of your life. And she says, it's my honor to serve him. I had dudes in the church, in the church, come to my house, play video games, because we would do that sometimes, and I still do it every now and then. We would play video games, and one time my wife was there, a guy from the church, you know what he said? Man, why is your wife here? I told mine to stay home. Man, you know, this is just a guy's night. And I said, listen, I like my wife better than you. She's my best friend. She'll be wherever I am. I had a man from the church try to tell me, like, see, I'm telling you guys, you have people subtly try to sow seeds into your life. Women, don't serve your husband like that. They're going to sow that seed, and they'll be divorced three years from now. They already got two baby daddies, and they're trying to tell you how to have a marriage. Come on, somebody. I don't need, what's the next, what's the next uh, fool in a suit right now trying to tell you? What's the guy's name? He has... Uh, Steve Harvey. Try, <laughs> Steve Harvey does Q&A. You all see him do this? What is he on, his third baby mama now? Sit down, Jack. Get my water for church. I'm serious. You haven't learned nothing. You're not my example. And I'm not saying get my water like I'm somebody. I'm just saying you are a water boy here. You ain't nobody with a mic answering questions here. Everybody look up at me. I'm going to be more sassy than this. He will go to hell unless he repents of that. I'm not better than him. Christ made me better. Do you understand the difference? Live by example. Would you please put up that post quickly? When people see your family, they're going to hate on you. They're just, I mean, they're just going to find things to try to pick on you about. Well, don't serve your man. 
or man, get away from your woman. She's, she's your ball and chain. I've been doing people's weddings as the pastor, and I hear the groomsmen talking to the groom. Well, you got your ball and chain. Now, where's that ball and chain, dude? Where's that? And I'm like, shut up. Shut up, you and your new Jordans, but you got nobody in your life. You're 40 years old alone now. Put them Jordans next to you in your bed if you think you that cool. Are you listening? See who you're influenced by. Now watch. I'm just going to read this last part right here. See, she didn't know how she was encouraging her pastor, but people around you are watching you. She said, this is why I look up to them. Raising a loving family after the heart of God, they have shown us with their children to be faithful in ministry, to honor God with our best and excellence, to serve others with joy and all that is done unto God. It is in our home that we get to show the best manners and the most kindness. That's somebody who knows me better than any, most of you sitting down right now. And she says, out of him loving God and loving people, the number one thing I'm looking up to are the spiritual things. She says, is this, this is family. Because we made a decision as for our house. We're going to serve the Lord. I want that to be you. I got to grow up in a godly family because my parents made that decision after each one of them had a failed marriage. My mother was abused by an alcoholic husband where she had three kids with when she was 15 years old. But she got married to a man that wanted to serve God, and they are now almost on their 50th anniversary. And my dad married just another Polish girl because he was Polish, and they didn't even last a year. And so he made a decision to come up to be the man that my, my mom wanted because she told him, I've already gotten saved. I ain't marrying you unless you get saved. So she brought him to church. So listen to me. Some of you may have to reset. And I'm not saying get a divorce or anything like that. If you're being abused, get out that situation. We'll help you. We'll do counseling and hear my heart on that. But, but I'm telling you, some of you all just need to reset right now. If you're single, reset your mindset. If you're married and you're not doing it right, reset your mindset towards each other and work it through. But do not settle for anything less than God's best. If you need help with your marriage, go to the marriage life group tonight, today. What time is the marriage life group today? four o'clock. Would you all stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. Come on, give it up for Jesus, the husband of the church. Hallelujah. Band and altar workers, would you come please? I didn't, can I, can I just get a little testimony here? I had three other things I needed to talk about I didn't even get to. There are so many things in this family series that you got to keep coming every week for. Will you come next week and hear some of these things? you got to keep coming, guys, and learn the Word of God. How many are going to read the book of Ephesians this week? Read it. Chapter 1 a day. Read a chapter a day. Read chapter 1 today. Read chapter 2 tomorrow. Read chapter 3. If you're going to do anything, read the section we just went through and ask God to change your heart if you have anything that doesn't line up with it. Father, let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless us as we get ready to roll out of here today. Starting with husbands right now. If you're a husband in this place and you want prayer, would you come up and find somebody to pray with you right now? I want to pray for husbands. If you're a husband and you want prayer, which should be everybody, I want you to come up and receive prayer right now. Father, we pray for husbands to come and receive prayer right now to be the men that you've called them to be. Husbands, come right now. Husbands, come and receive prayer. Husbands, come and receive prayer. I see husbands not even moving. I'm going to give you guys 30 more seconds. Husbands, come and receive prayer. Every husband should want to come and receive prayer. I said an if, thinking you may want to do it on your own, but I'm asking you now, every husband, come and receive prayer. Ten more seconds. We're not going to force you, but come and receive prayer. Father, I pray for husbands. Whether they're fathers or not yet, God, I pray you raise them up to be great men of God. If they are hus uh, fathers already, bless them, bless their lives, bless their marriages. Every single young man that wants to be a husband, come up and get prayer right now. I need more altar workers up here right now. Adam, you can join them. Lawrence, you can join them. Pray for other young men. If you need prayer right now as a husband, let us pray for you, Vinny. Come on up. We just have the ladies up here. Thank you. Quickly, quickly. If you're a young man and you want to be a husband, find one of these young men and let them pray for you right now. I pray for young men in this church to raise up and be leaders. Leaders. Young men, if you have not seen it done the right way, I pray right now that you will repent. 
for what you've seen wrong and say, Father, forgive my dad or forgive my uncle or forgive my brother. If you've ever seen a, a woman mistreated, just ask the Lord to forgive those things. And if you've ever done it yourself, ask the Lord to forgive you. But ask the Lord to make you who he wants you to be. Wives who want to see their husband serve the Lord. If you're a woman in here and your husband's not serving the Lord, come to one of these women quickly so that they can pray for you. Quickly come to a woman today so that they can pray for you. If you want to believe God for your husband's salvation, come quickly. We will pray with wives right now for husband's salvation. I pray in this church today that husbands will be men of God. That wives will serve their husbands and that husbands will love their wives. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. A few more moments. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Jesus. Bless them, Jesus. If you've come from a broken home and you're a person here today, young or old, a lot of old people still deal with broken homes. What was done to them growing up, my mother really never heard her father say she, uh, that he loved her. She dealt with that into her adulthood. If you're from a broken home and you want prayer, come on up quickly right now. We'll pray for you. If someone's not available, we'll get to you in just a moment. But we want to pray for everybody with a broken home. Broken homes, be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Let the pain of the past wash away in the love of Jesus today. The reason why people hurt you is because they lived in sin. It was sin. And they will be punished unless they repent, but you must forgive. You must forgive them. You cannot hold it against them if you want to go to heaven. The Bible says forgive as you've been forgiven. Don't blame God either. Don't blame God for what people have done to you. Adam and Eve cheated on God. Judas uh, lied on God. Uh, Roman soldiers crucified Jesus. People have been doing God wrong this whole time. Why? Because we have a choice between good and evil. A few more moments. Broken families. Broken families be healed in Jesus' name. Wives praying for husbands. Husbands be saved. Husbands here be made strong. Young men grow up to be mighty men of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We're going to do something different. We're going to prepare with the, uh, the song, the video to come up. And I'm going to turn uh, Rachel loose to start praying for others as well. We'll dismiss now just to, after this prayer. But I want those who are praying to continue to pray. Do not be in a hurry, please. This is a sacred moment. Lord, I pray that you will bless us to be a church of families. A church of families. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you can give the Lord a hand clap, go ahead and do so. Otherwise.